Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Teutonic Takes. This is episode 26. I want to welcome you guys, and I'm here with my co-host, Ivan. How you doing, Ivan? How's your day, man? Uh, today was all right. Uh, you know, we recently had Thanksgiving yesterday and Black yeah. Friday today, so it was an interesting time as these longstanding holiday traditions are being put to the test. Right. Yeah, another phase of this pandemic we're still going through uh i hope everyone who participated in those events in whatever capacity they did they did so with safety in mind and they were thinking of others as well as thinking about protecting themselves or those that you know they made hard decisions particularly with thanksgiving such as staying at home or only spending with immediate family that you still had a good time with the situation you were dealt with yeah, um, out here in uh, Japan, we're actually celebrating it tonight. Um, my my uh, my wife's family, uh, she didn't, they never celebrated it before. They're Peruvian, so it's something like a whole brand new thing that we're gonna do, um, and it's just kind of this fun new thing that I get to teach everybody in Japan that I meet about. <laughs> but um, yeah, as you can see, if you're on YouTube, I'm wearing my uh, my uh, <laughs> my trusty dusty uh, Santa cap, so. We're trying something. Yeah. Wasting no time. time, Right. (laughs) Um, We're going to try something a little new here. So we let's, let's go ahead and we're going to start that uh, intro one more time. Right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yo, 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 welcome to Tatonic Takes. <laughs> you mean ho, ho, ho. Welcome yeah. to Tatonic Takes. Tatonic Takes, you know, just, just yeah, blast that air horn. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome, You mean guys. that annoying air horn that radio stations killed like 10 years ago <laughs> by overusing it? So we got, we got <laughs> a sound. <laughs> we, got, we got a soundboard. So Ivan doesn't know what I have on this soundboard just yet. But um, let's get into it. We got a, a little bit of news first. So I wish we we were on at least of a, you know, a lighter note making this podcast and we were still in it. But we have a little bit of Quakes news to go over. Um, Ivan, I have the perfect soundbite for this. You ready? Okay. So breaking news on the Quakes front. Um, a little bit, a little bit of news. We have um, actually a rumor that was broke today, but on the Peruvian website, it was broke a couple of days ago. It is um, San Jose is interested in Matias Sukar, Peruvian striker that is 21 years of age, and he formerly played with uh, Marcos Lopez. And the source is Libero, uh, Libero of Peru. And I actually want to give a quick shout out. It was because of Brian on the Facebook group, and Brian, I think it's. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin this name. I apologize, but it's Achabad. I think that Achabang or something like that. But he was the first to break it, and uh, everybody hopped on afterwards. Joel Soria, Quake Separate Center. So the first person to break this was actually a fan. So shout out to you, Brian. Good job. Yeah. Um. Anyone who is in the 
San Jose Earthquakes discussion group knows who Brian is, even if you don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's always posting the right. game threads and other threads that people can use to discuss and keep the group active and lively. So we appreciate the work that he does. Uh, so Matias Sukar, so currently a U.S. citizen. He last played for Deportivo Municipal. And in 1,228 minutes, which is also 17 appearances, yeah. he has 11 goals and two assists. So that's almost a goal or assist a game. So it's a pretty good involvement. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy this guy is a great talent. Um, he, he That's a very good involvement. 17 games, 11 goals, two assists. Um, I would take that over and, you know, the likes of Danny Husen and any of, any of that. So definitely, definitely something – Something to look forward to, right? Yeah, with all due respect, it's like flipped for players of Danny Husen's caliber. You get maybe two goals every 11 games, you know? Right. And it, that's not their entire job to score goals, of course, but still, I think that's been one of the biggest issues in the last few years that strikers not named Wondolowski haven't necessarily been a consistent source of production, even by the loosest definition of consistent. So right. that would be a game changer to get someone like Sukar in the team. He is considered to be the next big Peruvian striker prospect, the next Rui Diaz. And while Rui Diaz is a, probably a more attainable goal than maybe Guerrero or right. Fan, uh, that's still a tough shoes to fill given Rui Diaz is still a capable player both for his national team and certainly for Seattle Sounders. Uh, transfer market has him valued at 275,000 euros, I guess, yeah, euros. In the beginning yeah. of 2020. So he's probably closer to a million or more now given the amount of goals and assists he's got on his record and his increased uh, game time. And he played a lot of positions in his youth, goalkeeper, defense, and now striker. So yeah, if we're ever in a situation like Orlando City where we need a Rodrigo Schlegel to come into goal, well, at least we can rely on him for that too. So this could be a very big bargain if we get this striker, even if it's for a million euros. Like yeah. To pay for a million euros for a player that's, that talented you know you'd make that move yeah i i I personally think that this is actually really really promising to see that we're finally being linked to people that finally yeah finally right this is it guys we are here so we're finally spending the money i know we're 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 gonna be hopefully finally getting prospects and people getting linked to us. And maybe this is the year, guys. Maybe this is the year that everything changes. Um, I just think that this is a great prospect that we can truly like to see in the squad, right? I have, I have one quick sound, sound bite for the Quakes FO right here. You ready for this, Ivan? Yep. Do it! <laughs> just do it! Yeah, Yesterday, so. you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make exactly. Your dreams come true. <laughs> All right. Is so we got more bogus uh, Matias Almeida Teliga Mekis rumors. And yeah. It they didn't waste any time. We knew this was coming since the earthquakes were eliminated from the playoffs. 
but they're definitely working overtime in the Mexican media trying to make something happen when nothing's probably going to happen. So the latest rumor, uh, Almeida would join Monterrey and be their manager with two conditions. He would agree to be the Monterrey head coach, but he wants Alan Pulido and um, Rodolfo Pizarro as backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. I'm not sure how you get San Jose Earthquakes to agree to Almeida losing their coach and Alan Polito and Rodolfo Pizarro to get the approval of Sporting Kansas City and Inter Miami to let them go when they're important to their current projects. So it's yeah. a really weird situation, and I'm not sure why it would be those conditions when if you're going to Liga Mekis. Surely Almeida is going to have the option to get players that are as good as Alan Pulido or Rodolfo Pizarro from other leagues across Latin America. Yeah, I I think this is a total bogus, total bogus rumor. I mean, I understand that they need to you know get something in the media to get the kind of the rumor mill going. But again, Monterey just keeps on showing up at our door and trying to take our, our beloved coach here. Um, but he won't, they won't. Unfortunately, I think that this is just a bogus rumor. Those players are long gone from Liga MX. They just signed um, contracts in MLS. So it's truly, it's, I don't think it's even rooted in any truth. I don't think Polito's going to leave SKC and I don't believe I really don't believe that uh, Rodolfo Pizarro is going to leave Miami when he just signed this year too. So again, I don't even think Almeida would want those types of guys again, right? Cause he already played with them. Maybe he wants a different challenge and, and different things as well. So I have on the bogus scale zero to a hundred. How bogus do you think it is? I just don't understand why those players specifically, other than the fact that, Oh yeah, they played with Chivas before. And that is such a lazy rumor because it doesn't always happen. Like, not everyone is um, uh, Roberto Martinez who has to bring players like Antolin Alcaraz and James right. McCarthy to Everton from Wigan Athletic. Not, that doesn't happen with every manager that they have to bring four or five players that they've played with before to a new club. Usually it's maybe one or two players and then bringing in other players from other clubs that – they haven't worked with before, but they match their style as well as building off what the previous manager has given them. So I think it's going to be an interesting situation to see what unfolds, but Matias Almeida would have to do a very dramatic uh, heel turn to ditch San Jose Earthquakes after the season that they've had to get to the playoffs and this is just the beginning of the project and I think he's not the type of guy to leave until the project has met its final destination whether that be peaking as a playoff first round exit team I hope not or peaking as a team that goes further and maybe wins something yeah um Again, I think there's this a high-profile coach is always going to have rumors going circling around him that they want him. I mean, he's a good coach. It's obvious that what he did, what he did with the Quakes. I mean, we almost made it to the second round, and we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, we almost we almost pulled an upset off. So 
again, he is a good, good coach. So we're going to get this. We're going to get rumors. And I just hope he doesn't go one day, right? Yeah. And this is the thing with MLS fans because we got to make sure that we don't fall into this trap or like we get a little bit too defensive and a little bit too possessive of players and people in our organization. Because if you want MLS to grow and become increasingly more relevant in the world of soccer, yeah. that this is part of the process. There's going to be more transfer rumors. There's going to be more actual transfers. If you can't grow as a league, if players like Alfonso Davies aren't going to Bayern Munich, or you know right. leaving the league in general that's yeah. just how it is it's cyclical and there's people coming in people coming out and it's all about taking every situation with the appropriate context and figuring out what's the most logical way to react to it and like, mm-hmm. yeah the, go craziest ahead. Thing, the craziest thing about this is i don't even think he'll go back to league mx to me this seems like a stepping stone to eventual like european teams and and so that, or maybe one day he'll represent a national team. Um, I think Almeida is the type of guy where he's not going to go back if he thinks it's a step back in, I mean, in his direction of career. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I saw this, I saw this report and I was just like, oh man, like, oh shit, <laughs> go again. Like, I just thought this was another one. I mean, this is going to happen again and again. This is not true. We're just going to see where it goes. Right. Where do you think Almeida would be in a better fit, Mexico or USA, for the national teams? National national team. Yeah, which of um, those two? I I honestly think he would do better with the U, the U.S. national team because I think the Mexican national team has a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, and kind of if you if you just hop into the U.S. national team picture and you're, there's no pressure on your back, you have a, a whole bunch of young guys and you can really implement a system, I think I think he would do better in the U.S. system. I just think the Mexican medium would read him, uh, just rip him apart, and I don't think he's the type of coach to handle that, to be honest. That's my opinion. I think the most important difference in pressure is with the board, I think, mm. whereas you have – a board in the Mexican Football Federation where they're ready to sack a manager whenever they feel like it. Right. The opposite is true in U.S. soccer where they protect their managers almost to a fault. Right. Like Greg Berhalter currently can do no wrong, even though we know that there's certain decisions he makes that pisses people off, like his preference for certain MLS players. But I think also – Mexico right now, I think they're better off with Tata Martino, whereas Almeida would certainly be an upgrade over Greg Berhalter, in my opinion. Yeah, whereas, definitely. Yeah, so that'd be something that I would be interested to think about. But for right now, I'm happy for him to stay with the San Jose Earthquakes. But if, yeah, if Almeida ever leaves and it's like, you were the chosen one. I just. I would be I'd be so mad because he was the one to come in here to try to change this organization and environment and it's just it would be like a project that is undone right so it's not done and it would just hurt a lot that's for sure all right so now we go to the difficult part of the podcast yeah definitely our main event is the Sporting Kansas City game against San Jose Earthquakes where the game finished 3-3 after 120 minutes 
and then 3-0 somehow in penalties. Right. Uh, should we start from the beginning or should we start with the just like general first impressions, first reactions? Yeah, we got a fan question from Lei uh, from Twitter. Mm-hmm. She wants to know – we should start here, I guess. Um, wants to know what was going through our heads. Um, Ivan, if you want to go first on this, what was going through your head throughout the game? It's just so many things going one after another. That's what happens when it's a 3-3 game where there's goals happening so frequently or game-changing moments, whether it be shots saved or shots missed or other important events. And with Sporting Kansas City opening the early – I mean, the goal is so early on Right. That it immediately put the pressure on San Jose Earthquakes. Bruh. It was a type of pressure where, like, even when they went up 2-1, you knew that all it took was one gust of wind, and then the house crumbles down. And yeah. And Kansas City are back in the game. It seemed like every corner kick, I was just like, no, 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 come on. Don't, like, JT, go get that ball. Don't let it be a corner kick. Because it felt like every corner kick was either a great chance or a goal. So it was just like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. And, and right. that, that's just kind of like – I mean, that's all year, right? I mean, I know Jamin Moore had a big piece on that we have a really short team, and it, and it was evident, and that was our downfall. Right, but we've seen short teams in the past like not be this atrocious at defending set pieces. Granted, Barcelona is the exception to the rule. Yeah. But maybe a, a more appropriate example would be Mexico's national team. Mexico doesn't have too many tall players themselves. But they at least seem, like, well-organized and well-drilled. Like, there's never a period in time where I felt like Mexico were giving up a lot of penalties. They were giving up a lot of free-kick goals or corner-kick goals where, you know, they just felt like they were strong in those areas because they had a lot of professional players that had that mentality that we're going to do the little things right and we're going to try to build off that to our success. Whereas no, when San Jose Earthquakes are playing well, those no, are the philosophies God, they please, live under. No, they like no. to do the little things right. They'll win individual battles. They'll make it tough on opponents in possession. But yeah. then the other side of the coin is that when they don't make it tough, when they screw up, that it's almost fatal. And whether it's through the high-pressure man-marking system or through set-piece situations, if one person doesn't do their job, everything falls apart, and you're likely conceding a goal. And you cannot concede too many goals in soccer, obviously a low-scoring sport, without ending up paying the price, and that's what they did. Yeah, and I I just felt like this whole game could have had a very different outcome if we just were better on set pieces. I think Kansas City had no bite when it came to in the run of play. And this was, we're going to go into this a little bit later. um, But I, this is the first time I've ever seen JT kind of crumble, right? This is what Mm -hmm. Matias Almeida was talking about when he was saying that he's not ready. And this is the first time that I actually truly believed Almeida in this sense just because every time JT got the ball I was I was nervous man it was like watching it wasn't watching Neuer it was watching Ter Stegen right I mean it was it was watching uh um wow what was the Liverpool goalie that had that great gas curious curious right it felt like watching that man it was like ah don't give him the ball don't give him the ball what are you doing but yeah I mean 
Uh, well, we would have said that for Daniel Vega too. Uh, yeah, even yeah, in but... Daniel Vega's best games, I've been thinking that. Yeah, this was such a weird game. I mean, I this could have been a game that we. I know this is going to be a hot take, and this is going to be a satanic take, but we could have used Daniel Vega this game. Uh, <laughs> like Ivan's face is just like, oh, nah, man. Like, what? <laughs> what? Nope. No. I don't know if Daniel Vega <laughs> saves any of the goals. I don't think I the don't know if Daniel Vega saves a penalty. Um, D- Daniel Vega isn't Timelia. There's only one Timelia, and unfortunately, he was playing for the other team. Right. So Daniel Vega uh, has stopped a lot of penalties, though, in his in his career. Right. Just something to consider, but I th- it's still a high pressure situation. You're putting in your goalkeeper who hasn't played a meaningful game yeah. in weeks, if not months at this point. So yeah. it's not like you just flip a switch and it's not like he's one of those players like a Tim Krul or a Willie Caballero who he, they know that their place in the squad is for a cup competition. If we need you for a penalty shootout, you're the guy. Yeah. Daniel Vega's role right now is to be a veteran backup to help JT re- reach that next level. And to a lesser extent, Emi Ochoa, if he's the third choice goalkeeper next season. Yeah. So no, right I... now, yeah, we could talk about the goals that happened. So the fourth minute was a goal from Roger Espinoza, a fan favorite at Sporting Kansas City. He was assisted by Johnny Russell to make it 1 0. If I had a choice, if you. If he was going to score or get a red card, I was going putting the house on getting a red card this game. But again, this is one of those games where it's like, ah, oh, man, Roger Espinosa on the score sheet, not on the on the card sheet. Man, like, uh, what's going on here? Yeah, and Sporting Kansas City did have more yellow cards than San Jose Earthquakes, but he was not among them. Twenty second yeah. minute, Carlos Fierro had the equalizer. I believe there, it was unassisted because his initial shot was blocked and then he followed in the second one. So that was 1-1 from there. Yeah. But then Carlos Fierro would be one of the two players credited for an assist in the third goal of the game, along with Christian Espinoza, or Shea Salinas got on the end of it. So it was 2-1 going to halftime. Mm. And then this is a problem for me, not just the corner kicks, but also the time in which the corner kicks led to goals. So the first one was a fourth minute. So four minutes after kickoff, and then in the 42nd minute, no, 47th minute, mm-hmm. where that's two minutes after halftime from Ilya Sanchez, assisted by Gianluca Busio, who also had the, looked like the game winner in the 91st yeah. minute of the second half. And I mentioned that Gianluca Busio, he's one of those players that, like, when he first – stepped onto the scene that everyone was hyping him up. It was, dare I say, almost Christian Pulisic level hype that he was this intensely talented kid that was like Mm -hmm. 15 years old or something. Yeah. And he was going to play in MLS. It was such a big deal. And it has since died down a bit. You don't hear a lot of people saying, Gianluca Busio, go to the U.S. men's national team, please. You brought to you got to call him up. But he's still a young player with a lot of talent on his side. And he's definitely one for the future for Sporting Kansas City, at least. Yeah, and this hurt. I mean, we talked about the team coming out of the half really slow, lethargic, giving up goals. And again, this was our downfall. These two key points, you can really pinpoint that 
was our downfall this year. Um, if we would have fixed these things up, which was um, goals on set pieces, as well as coming out of the half at a higher intensity, um, we, we could have gotten a lot farther. And, and maybe we'll see if there's some, you know, injection of talent that comes into this club that can m- maybe change the culture a bit or maybe change the outcome for next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what changes are made. Uh, we do have to talk about our favorite moment of the game, of course, when Chris Wondolowski yeah. was able to equalize seven minutes into stoppage time. Uh, obviously, from a Sporting Kansas City perspective, you're probably annoyed, but <laughs> ultimately stoppage time is at the discretion of the referee and I think that it was merited because there was enough stoppages. Yeah. And even- yeah. I thought, so, I thought that the SKC fans are a little bit, I don't know. They didn't realize how long they were celebrating for. I mean, it was like, yeah. you guys are celebrating for three minutes right now. Like it's 97th minute and everyone's like clamoring about, Oh, the ref let the game go on. Left. I mean, come on. You were at least celebrating for three minutes. So, and even Jimmy mm-hmm. Conrad said, so, yeah, let's, you want to talk about Jimmy Conrad? My God, what a homer. What an SKC homer. I hope oh we never God. put it. I was disappointed with Jimmy Conrad today where oh, he man, decided I was just that like... he was rooting for Sporting Kansas City. But I will say he did have a legitimate reason. So he was yeah. put into the Sporting Kansas City Hall of Fame. He wasn't put in the Hall of Fame for the San Jose Earthquakes. And I'm not saying that he should, should have been or should not have been because – we know the player that Jimmy Conrad turned out, and right. that wasn't necessarily through his time in San Jose Earthquakes, but you can't deny that he's an entertaining guy. There's a reason why we hear from him from social media, uh, from the TV. He's one of the analysts on the Europa League coverage on CBS All Access, right. and he, he does a lot of fun stuff or did a lot of fun stuff when he was more active on his YouTube channel. And even though, you know, I wasn't happy that Jimmy Conrad was leaning towards Sporting Kansas City in this match. God. He has, every reason to, he has every reason to feel the way he feels. And he's definitely still someone that, like, if I ever, like, get a chance to hang out with him, like, it's going to be a fun time. He's, he's a fun guy. Can we ever get, like, an MLS pundit that actually likes us? I mean, geez, we, we don't even get anyone. Caleb, Caleb Carr just rips us. Uh, Taylor Twelman just rips us. Alexi Lawless doesn't even talk about us. I mean, <laughs> Where is Dwayne De Rosario these days? Like, right. Maybe him. <laughs> but, yeah, Wando scores that goal. He does the improbable. I mean, does everything he can to get us back into the extra time. Uh, all the fans go wild at home, right? I, I was like, no, there's no way. And, and it seemed like Tim Milia took away this opportunity from him literally four minutes before it happened, right? Where he had a oh on, yeah yeah he had a on target shot that was blocked away by Tim Milia, and then Cade Cow misses, and it's like oh that's that's was our season. That save from Tim Milia better than any of the saves he made in the penalty shootout. I mean that that save alone was was pretty good. I mean, see this is the craziest thing about this. Tim Milia is like the I would say the Madison Bumgarner of. The, the MLS playoffs. He has great, crazy games when it matters the most. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like he just dogs the whole season. So it just sucks that it was us, like you said, it was us playing Tim Melia. And, and I even tweeted out, I was like, I don't want to see this Tim Melia storyline. And guess what happened? Tim Melia storyline. 
Yeah, everyone talks about in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, you want to avoid hot goalkeepers whenever you can. Yeah. And unfortunately, we ran into a hot goalkeeper in this game. But he's always hot. West soccer. Yeah, he's always hot. That's the weirdest thing. It's just, I don't know. I just, I, when, when he... <laughs> When, when Let's he just blocked, go over the lineups yeah. after you finish your thoughts. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into it later. But when he blocked the, those pens, I was like, oh, man, come on, dude. Like, All right, all right, but we'll get into it later. We'll get into it later. Yeah, go, go ahead and uh, do the lineups, Ivan. So, San Jose Earthquake started JT Marcinkowski in goal, a back line of Nick Lima, Florian Youngworth, Osvaldo Alanis, and Marcos Lopez. They It was a 4-4-2, so you had two wide midfielders and Shea Salinas on the left and Christian Espinosa on the right. Jackson Ewell and Jitson were in the middle. And Wondolowski and uh, Chris uh, Carlos Fierro were the strikers, it looked like. So Fierro is naturally a winger, but he can play striker as well. So right. it's an interesting formation choice. Whereas Sporting Kansas City, Tim Alien goal, their back line of Jalen Lindsay, Berto Punchak, Winston Reed, and Amadou Dia. And it was a 4-1-4-1. So the one in midfield as the CDM was Elias Sanchez. You had Johnny Russell on the right, Joseph yeah. Fernandez on the left. Through the middle was uh, Roger Espinoza and Gianluca Busio. And up top with no Alan Pulido, it was Kyrie Shelton getting the nod over Eric Hurtado, who we did see come off the bench. So I know that when you look at those names for sporting Kansas city, you kind of scratch your head and think, how is this team, the number one seed? And well, a violent could be, well, they played a lot of the same B plus to C minus level teams without Mm -hmm. any of the A teams throughout the regular season. But the fact of the matter is that you can only play the teams in front of you and sporting Kansas city do a good job playing against the teams that are in front of them. Yeah. And it's because all these players gel and you have players that are filling in for injured players, players that are injured maybe for short term as well as long term. And they all buy into the system. And I think it it comes down to the man management of Pierre Vermees, a guy who has been a part of the MLS story almost since the Mm -hmm. beginning, if not the beginning, he is, his name is all over sporting Kansas city slash Kansas city wizards folklore. He is a legend in the, city, in the city, at least in the Kansas City side, Kansas City, uh, the Kansas side, you know. But yeah. anyway, the point is, he's an accomplished coach, and he is successful in MLS because man management is such an important part of MLS, more so in any other league because of the salary cap, and you have right. some players making 10 times more than the guy next to them, which is weird to think in most other leagues across Europe where and especially especially in this season right this season was just I mean you have to have so much camaraderie this season just through what's happening in life and what's this season that was just I guess an asterisk right I mean this was such a weird season I personally I thought they weren't going to give out a supporter shield but I guess they did but things like that Mm -hmm. right I mean I this season you needed to be a manager, a true manager, to truly see your team excel, and that's what Peter Vermees did. And and it, I, we were close, right? We were really close. But I mean, yeah, that's yeah. basically it. It was a close shave for Sporting Kansas City because obviously they won in penalties, so it wasn't necessarily a comfortable win. But when you look at who they have next against Minnesota United, I think it's a very even matchup for them. They'll like their chances of progressing to the conference finals against either the Seattle Sounders or FC Dallas. 
So this yeah. is their chance to add a second MLS title in the last decade or so, which would be very interesting. Yeah. And then Ivan, so we're going to go over a couple of studs and duds. Mm-hmm. Do you have one yeah. in mind? Do you have a stud um, in mind? So the stud, I think it's got to be Chris Wondolowski. I think yeah. he did what he always does for Sam's Earthquakes. He bails right. them out. He puts the team on his back, and he gives them a chance when it seems like all hope is lost. And this was the I'm man's... also going to mention yeah. Tim Melia because – yeah, it doesn't matter who, what team you play for. If you save all your penalties in a penalty shootout, that is an incredible achievement, and you should be proud. Definitely, definitely. And then for my stud, I'm gonna go Christian Espinoza. Every time he got the ball, he was dangerous. It seemed like the best player on the pitch. So he had a great game. It just is really unfortunate or unfortunate that this game was overshadowed by the the de- defensive mishaps that we had. And and I I'm I'm honestly about to be on the boat and just say like, hey man, we just need a whole new defense. What's going on? Like there has to be a reason why we're letting these corner kick goals just just slide in. I mean with I mean I thought JT was was brought in and he he really commanded that box really well. But after seeing this this game it was like, man, are, are, is anybody listening to you, JT, anymore? Like, what's going on? Did you lose the box? Like, what's going on? And and because of that, he gets my dud, actually. JT got the dud for me. Yeah, it's hard, you know. But at the same time, it's interesting because both Tim Milia and Jim, JT Marcinkowski, they conceded three goals, but one ended up having a much better game because of the saves they made in the right. manner in which they made them. And that's just how it goes. Sometimes it's razor thin margins when you're a goalkeeper. Yeah. But yeah, it's tough to think of the San Jose Earthquakes going much further without an improvement on the Osvaldo Alanis and Florian Youngworth partnership. And they have a chance to mix it up because if Osvaldo Alanis does go back and he doesn't renew his loan, I think he is. Then they're going to have to bring someone. He's coming back. Yeah. I think uh, Chivas already went ahead and uh, actually pulled him back. I remember Will was talking about it. If the, if the quakes advance, do they pull him already? So he actually might be on his way back already. So, right. So it is what it is. We think Osvaldo Alanis for his time at the club, but you now's the time to start looking for options and you got to look for them wide. Look at where Sporting Kansas City finds some of their players, players like Daddy Kinda and yeah. Winston Reed. They have a, they cast a wide net and that's what a lot of MLS teams. Yeah. Do. Winston Reed had a great game too. I mean, he was always in the thick of things and he had, he was making sure that balls, I mean, didn't just magically end up in the back of the net. He, he got feisty when he needed to. He, he, I mean, he had more, yeah, he had bite for a team that he's just started playing for. Imagine, imagine him three years later, right? Four years later, you know how much he's going to care about that team. So it was just kind of, you know, disheartening a bit. He's a player that I'm glad to see doing well. You know, in this game, it happened to be against us and at our expense, but he's been through so many injury problems at West Ham United. He's missed out on so many caps. Like he should be, one of the most capped players for New Zealand at this point in his career, right. if it weren't for his injuries. But because he's playing well at MLS, uh, you're New Zealand. If you're a New Zealand national teammate coach, you're more than happy to have players playing in MLS, playing for your national team because right. you don't have too many options other than you know within this league and in the Australian league with you know Wellington Phoenix. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, good on him. I'm glad he's hey, Ivan. found a good next step. Do you remember Kip Colby? <laughs> we had our yeah. we had a Kiwi on our team a long time too. So maybe if he was still on the team, we would know a little more about Winston Reed, right? What is? Oh my gosh, Michael Boxel, Winston Reed, yeah. Bill Twiloma. How come we got Kip Colby like, yeah. out of these <laughs> like New Zealand defenders? We did have um, Simon Elliott, have, like, but Simon Elliott was good, but he hmm. wasn't a, a defender. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, like Tuiloma for um, Portland, right? That's yeah. – um, he's, he's – like a beast on the field too. He just remembered that when he played the quakes, he just put his head in the way of a shot to stop a goal. Like, geez, man, like we need someone like that. Do the <laughs> again, And then the shots go the other direction. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. the Kiwi way. Um, <laughs> I didn't say my dud yet. Um, I guess my dud would probably be, hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with just the back line, I think, that yeah. they didn't do enough to stop the uh, Sporting Kansas City set-piece opportunities and counterattacks that they had going. And it was always going to be a difficult match for them because they have pacey and tricky players on both wings, like right. Kinda, Gerso, Russell, but it was a little bit too easy at times. Yeah, and that kind of brings us into the fan questions since we had um, a whole bunch of fan questions about the game and then we also have fan questions about the offseason. We kind of wanted to break it down a bit. Um, so just going over a little bit of the fan questions now. Nice little elevator music in the background. <laughs> but welcome to the fan questions. Um, the first fan question comes from Robert Blackburn from Facebook, and he asks, why did we give up two goals on corners? Ivan, what do you think? The same reason we've given up so many set pieces goals. They, the commentary even mentioned it that no team in MLS has conceded more goals on set piece situations than the San Jose Earthquakes. And it is frustrating right. because these are weaknesses that San Jose Earthquakes can work on in training right. more so than other types of weaknesses. You can't teach pace, you can't make players taller, but you can practice set pieces more and more it's about positioning it's about muscle memory it's about reactions it's about decision making it's about awareness and vision and it seems like we're lacking in all those categories just imagine what our team would be without set piece goals right we'd be like lfc last year basically this just god tier type of attacking team with the sound you know back line but I, guess I don't see, realistically see it going from one extreme to another. Every team is going to concede from set pieces every now and then. Mm. But when it's every game, right. that is an issue. Uh, Phil Leva from Quick after 90 asks, what are your thoughts on the referee's uh, Nima Sagafi performance? Uh, Fabi, did the referee really uh, stand out for you in this way? I know some referees were bad in other playoff games. Yeah. Um, this, I think this question was directed at the penalty kicks because I think a lot of Quake's Twitter after the game was talking about how he was off the line. Was he on the line? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a great game during the game. Um, I don't know why they don't check this in VAR afterwards. Um, the penalty shootouts, if he was off the line or off the line, that that's probably something that's coming in the future. But again, if you block, see, my whole thing was I would be mad at the first deflection if we made the other two and we eventually lost on that. But he blocked all three. So it's not like 
it really weighed on that. So I think that the ref, he had an okay game. He didn't impact the game in such a way. I mean, again, he did let the game play on, so he did have that last goal. So if you ask an SKC fan, maybe they're the other way about it, but I think he had a good game. Ivan, what do you think? Yeah, I think we know that MLS referees don't have the best reputation, even among referees in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know a single league that I follow that fans are very happy about the referees, but it seems like of another level for MLS. And part of it is merited, part of it isn't. I think the referee did okay enough. Uh, I have noticed throughout the MLS playoffs that, especially in games with less fans, that you can hear the referees talking to the team captains uh, when they're doing the coin toss and then to the goalkeepers when they're doing the last few preparations before the shootout. Yeah, And they go through a lot of discussions. And if you do this, I'm going to give you a yellow card and just make sure you keep an eye out for that. And I think that they're doing their job for the most part. Right. And it's just, you know, been controversial for whatever reason. But I think that as the playoffs continue, I think it's important that the quality of the refereeing gets better rather than it gets worse because it's right. the last thing you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You don't want the ref to affect the game too much. All right. So Omar from Twitter asked on the game, any thoughts on JT's penalty kick strategy? Yeah. It seemed like he wasn't the best prepared. I don't know historically if he's good at them, but he didn't seem to have a chance. Ivan, what do you think about the statement? It wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't prepared because penalties are a set-piece situation, and this team yeah. seemed very ill-prepared throughout set-pieces based on what we've seen. But I think JT Marcinkowski was in a bit of a trial by fire in this game. Uh, your first playoff game going up against the number one seed in the West, having to do a penalty shootout, which is more pressure on you. Some argue that penalty shootouts are less pressure on the goalkeeper because if you lose, it's not your fault. If mm. you win, you're a hero. But the reality is like, you are involved in half of the penalty kicks in a penalty shootout. So right. there is a bit of responsibility on you to make a contribution one way or another. Yeah. And I don't think he did a great job, and I don't think he was particularly close to saving any of the three shots that he faced. Mm. But – it's going to be something where like we need to see more of a sample size before we can judge JT Marcinkowski in those situations. Uh, there'll probably be more penalties conceded in the 2021 season. So we'll right. see a bit more of that. Um, and if San Jose earthquakes continue to do well in cup competitions and qualify for the playoffs, then we'll see him in more situations like this. Yeah. I, I just want to know, how he was so fooled and how Melia was so on, right? I want to know what makes a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout know exactly where they're going relative to one that's, I guess, guessing, right? And do the strikers or do the, the penalty takers that are going up against the goalie know that? So does that make SKC even better penalty takers because Tim Melia is telling them that, you know, the the signs and things that give away a, a penalty shot or where the ball's going. Right. So it, it's definitely 
JT got fooled on every single penalty. It wasn't even close, right? It wasn't even like where he got a little deflection, but it still went in. It was just, it was just the oh, he other. Guessed the, the right way. Yeah, he, well, he guessed the right way once. No, I'm saying that like JT didn't really have either of those happen where like he got a hand on it, right? Or, or guessed the right, guessed way, the right way, right? Yeah, and. Yeah, I don't know if it's crazy. It's just crazy. We're in the, we're witnessing greatness in a certain aspect of soccer, and it's kind of crazy that it happened against us. But it just makes us, you know, see our goalie in such a worse light, right? It's like, man, like when when you see a, a perfect game get pitched against you, and then your you know your pitcher only gives up two runs, and you're just like, ah, man, their their pitcher is so much better than ours. It's, it's just that whole right. Mentality. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I'm the type of person where like. You can praise one player without putting another player down sometimes unless mm. it's warranted. So it, it's tough, but you can definitely separate the two. Yeah. Uh, also, JT's error count was called out during the game. Do you think this will help him grow and become a more solid goalkeeper for the next year? I don't think JT Marcinkowski is going to watch the Fox Sports 1 taping of this game and be yeah. like, oh, look, they called out my errors. It's their job. It's any – commentator's job to it's our job talk too, about right? the relevant specifics <laughs> yeah that too it, uh, to talk about the relevant statistics and unfortunately that is one of them when jt marcinkowski is involved in, in a game yeah but i think he's had some rough games this season and he's still come back stronger and he's been a consistent force for this team so i think that he will continue to become more solid uh i'm don't know exactly, like, I'm not going to say he'll be a top three, top five, top ten goalkeeper in MLS. Who knows? Because there could be uh, other goalkeepers getting better. There could be other goalkeepers coming into the league. But, but all I know yeah. is that we have our number one goalkeeper at least for the next season. And if he continues to get better, then it will spill into 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I, I, I'm – I'm actually going to even go so far and say that we're probably going to have the best goalie we've had in the last seven years. Right. So since uh, John Bush, since John Bush. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's safe to say, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. All right. So, our next, our next question comes from Jose Lopez. Um, thank you from Patreon. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for all of our Patreon supporters. Um, we want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to them. Uh, we kind of, went through this podcast we were excited because it has it's been a while but thank you to all of our patreoners if you want to join our patreon it's going to be in the description we appreciate you guys um we have a lot in store for you guys so please um if you want to join our patreon and be a part of it definitely let us know we might have you know some merch come out so definitely keep an eye out for that guys we might have some stickers we might have some scarves so we we might we might you know we're using this patreon money to to basically help grow the media for the Quakes, help grow the team and, and get you guys feeling more involved. So please, if you feel like you want to help support us, go to our Patreon and uh, sign up for one of the tiers. So back to the question, um, Jose Lopez asks, what changes would you like to make to the lineup? If you had to go back and run the game over, Ivan, what do you think? I don't think you can make any changes to the lineup. I don't think putting Tanner Beeson defense is going to stop scoring Kansas City from scoring goals. I don't think starting Luis Felipe or Syed Haji or Kate Cowell even is going to increase your ability to score goals or help win a midfield battle. 
Yeah. And I especially don't agree that Daniel Vega will make a difference in this outcome. So I, I think, think one the lineup was right. I think the tactics and the, the individual player performances just weren't there today. I think there would be one player that could have made a difference off the bench, and that was Vaco. If we would have saw right. Vaco come in for extra time, I think they were missing some bite in the extra time. Personally, I think Vaco with his holdup play, but I think the ship has sailed. Right, so it's not. Even, it wasn't even worth putting him in because. I think there's something going on in the locker room where he's not going to be a part of us next year, or he's just not, he's not in it mentally. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. But I think that could have been a difference. Kate Cowell almost had a goal. I mean, dang, imagine if he just gets it down. If he just scores those breakaways, right. Imagine what type of player we would have on our hands. So definitely he could still become that. He's had, there's no player that makes me more excited to score a goal than Chris Wondolowski with the earthquakes. But Kid Cowell would make me very pleased if he scored a goal in this way. And that yeah. would have meant a lot to him for his career moving forward. But yeah. I think he's another one that, like like JT Marcinkowski, this wasn't the game that he wanted. But Kid Cowell is getting more and more experience, and it's going to help him. Quakerazzi uh, from Twitter asks, did Almeida oh. make a mistake in the shootout? Before oh, we get yeah. to that, there was one more. Yeah, yeah. From Jose Lopez. Yeah. Did this game prove anything to Matias? Meaning, does this performance alone make the owners spend more or that makes Al- Matias Almeida stay? I think I it's not going to be based on this performance. I think this is going to be based on the next few days of board meetings and discussions with Chris Wondolowski, with Matias Almeida, with uh, Shea Salinas perhaps even with other members of the club from various levels that they're going to decide what the best course of action is for the yeah. upcoming 2021 season and as we've seen in the past their idea of the best course of action has been a complete opposite from the fans perspective but unfortunately we're not in those rooms making those tough decisions uh, so we gotta hope for the best, but to also expect the worst. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is actually one of the best moments for some change because we have two living eleven legends that are still on the team, as well as a very high-profile coach that they brought in because they needed to change. So if we're ever gonna see the organization change or do anything that's different than what they've done, I think now is the best time so i'm fairly optimistic that they're going to change that they're going to make almeida happy by spending some cash but that's just being truly optimistic this is the quakes we're talking about so i i think this is the best time they could have ever changed i think if they want their praises for chris wanolaski and everything he's done with the club to be more than just lip service and stuck on repeat and the fans just roll their eyes and run away because they've heard this song before that they have to surround them their star player and their club icon with as much talent as possible to have one less push for the mls cup playoffs and i don't buy now that sam's earthquakes they can't win the mls cup playoffs in 2021 i'm not going to put money on them doing it but look at who's left in the final eight right there are definitely players i mean there's definitely clubs in that final eight that started with the same type of expectations that san jose earthquakes had look at new england right they they passed every sort of expectation they've ever been in so 
Definitely, it's possible in the MLS in this one-game format. I kind of like this one-game format. I love the one-game yeah. format. I think MLS, they get stuck trying to emulate the wrong competitions in the wrong yeah. ways. They wanted the two-game format because, oh, look, the Champions League, CONCACAF right. Champions League, they do two-leg formats and so great. Um, I don't know how many people want to see uh, Saprisa versus Chicago <laughs> Fire in two <laughs> legs, to be honest. But, they, you know, CONCACAF Champions League can do that. That's hey, fine. Hopefully Imperial is not listening, the, all right? <laughs> but let's do the uh, one – in the leg for the MLS Cup playoffs. Let's not emulate the Champions League. Let's emulate the FIFA World Cup. Right. That's something that resonates with more Americans than the UEFA Champions League, especially yeah. if they're not a fan of the club soccer. Yeah, because from my perspective, most Americans, when they start watching soccer, they follow international soccer because right. there's less movement. Mm-hmm. It's easier to identify, oh, yeah, Lino Messi, he plays for Argentina. Right. He's in Argentine. And then, you know, there's a bit more moving parts when you get into club soccer. But anyway, I think that I kinda, I mean, it's yeah. not just us, but it's almost every other MLS fan that I talk to, they much prefer the one-legged format because it gets the playoffs going at a faster right. pace and every game is more important. Yeah, exactly. And it encourages more offensive soccer. That's why we get some of these interesting score lines. Yeah. And I think we, with the two-legged format, the home team, I feel like, might have gotten less of an advantage than the one-game system. I think with this one game um, being the only game at your home court makes it weigh, the season way a lot more, right? Makes makes it weigh a certain amount. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wish it was a two-legged format. Imagine having three-way goals right right now. Ooh. <laughs> But no, yeah. Yeah, in, in retrospect, that, that would be cool. But uh, quick Aradzi from Twitter asks, did I make did I make a mistake in the shootout versus Sporting Agency by not starting with Wando and other experienced penalty kick, kick players who could have rattled and broken the focus of Timelia early in order to give Quicks a chance to win? And I'm not sure if it would have had that intended effect, but I agree. And this almost paid... Uh, this almost cost Orlando City as well because they had Nani in their fifth spot in their shootout, and he missed. Yeah, I think you guys start with your best player. I think you guys set the bar, you set the tone with your best players. You get that out of the way, and you then leave it up to fate later on. Hopefully, your top five guys get the job done. If not, then yeah. everyone else has to step up at some point. And you just do what you can. I think there was a lot of cliff, uh, conflicting reports on this because I think Wando actually set the lineup. I think Wando himself set the lineup up and and made it that way. Um, and yeah, which kind of surprises me because Wandolowski, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that he feels like he needs to be the fifth spot. Right, right. Like, like the storyline guy, right? Like yeah. Ronaldo, easily fifth spot type of guy. But I thought, man, mm-hmm. Wando really wants this right now. He wants this game. He wants the storyline. He might have been caught up in the moment, right? I mean, he scored the 97th minute goal. He wanted to score that last penalty and get that picture moment. You know, maybe that that's what yeah. he wanted. I have a feeling there might have been another reason. It could have been like he was listening to other players – 
that said that they wanted to step up and take a penalty mm. when they did. So it could have been something like he that. He kind of took a but Steph anyway, Curry approach, yeah. But what's done is done. I think it sucks to lose as always. You never want to get eliminated from the playoffs. And but I mean, it was their sweet moment. But yeah. uh, Starting on Lanisto isn't a bad choice. I mean, I, to be honest, who would you have started besides Wanda? Espinoza? Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like Espinoza never takes free kicks, so it's either Yule or... But he can score a penalty. He's a, mm-hmm. he's one of the best, maybe not like... He's a borderline top 10 winger in, in MLS yeah. at worst. So I just like, think... He can score a penalty. He gets stuck in the... Mo- I mean, I think I think Espinoza's a bit of a hothead, so maybe the pressure was a lot for him. I would put him maybe third or you know second or third, but not first. I don't think Espinoza's a first for me. I think right. it's either Alanis... Or Wando in that, and Alanis unfortunately took he 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 actually tipped the ball or he hit the ball at on the top or and took a little bit of grass with him, so it, it just didn't it didn't have as much power to it. And then Tim Melia kind of hopping off the line before got a jump on it, guessed right and guessed it correctly. We have a whole off season to dissect some of our memories yeah. from this season, but there was. The last gas tying goal from Alanis to get two two draw against Toronto in the first game. Yeah, there was the crazy games against Vancouver and LAFC. Mm-hmm. There was unfortunately some beatdowns in the mix, but it was a season that San Jose Quick fans will not forget in a hurry. And it was a lot of fun, even if it ended in defeat in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs. And this is where we want to be. We want to be in the mix of the action. We don't want to be sitting at home when the playoffs begin. We want to have a say in how this unfolds. And who knows, maybe Sporting Kansas City, they'll find a way to beat some of the teams that they've been dodging later uh, later in the season. Mm-hmm. And if they do lift the MLS Cup, that's something we can say, hey, San Jose Earthquakes, they lost to that team. And right. there's no shame in that. Yeah, I saw a lot of Quake's Twitter just, just like, <laughs> I don't know if it was just the, the heat of the moment, but it was just like hammering some SKC fans like, you guys aren't going to win the cup, so don't don't feel like you won, all right? <laughs> There's no point in starting beef where there isn't there. Like, I have some friends yeah. with Sporting Kansas City fans who submitted questions to our podcast. Right. Ultimately, the, especially the MLS community, we're a small community compared to the other four major sports leagues where you do have to be a bit collaborative with other fans because right. there's only so many of us. Yeah. So you can have a little bit of banter. You can poke fun and be like, ah, oh, you guys got lucky or something. But mm-hmm. like, you don't go out of your way to be a jerk to people. And also mm-hmm. don't be overly bitter and overly pessimistic. Uh, on the subreddit, I, there was a, a man of the match thread. And I was like, and also, by the time I got there, like my obvious choices, like Wondolowski and Espinoza, they were already commented. So I upvoted them and tried to think of somebody else. Yeah. And I was like, hey, even though he's not a Quakes player, let's give some respect to Amelia. And I got like 10 down votes right away because <laughs> people were that mad. And I'm like, damn, you guys. Like, I think people underestimate how uncommon it is to save three penalty kicks in a penalty shootout. Mm -hmm. Like, this may happen all the time in FIFA, but not in real life. (laughs) Yeah. 
I know, right? You make at least one. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a crazy season. We'll talk about it a little more. Um, but I mean, if you want to go over the other round one results, cause we still have playoffs to go guys. I know it sounds heart, you know, disheartening when the quakes aren't in it, but we still have more playoffs to go. I think when it comes to sports, everything has a beginning and an ending. Unfortunately, <laughs> only two teams can make it to the final chapter of a sports season, but it's still a book worth reading from start to finish because it gives you a better understanding of your own team in the long run as well. So anyway, Let's take a look at some of the other sections of this round one chapter, the MLS playoffs. Uh, Orlando City versus New York City was very crazy at the end. It was mm-hmm. a wild penalty shootout, and it was 1-1 after 120 minutes, and it was 6-5 on penalties. Nani missed a penalty, but Rodrigo Schlegel was the hero. Uh, Fabi, did you get to watch at least the highlights of that? It was yeah, crazy. yeah. It's crazy. I, I guess he gets the second yellow, and then all of a sudden you put a random player in there, right? So <laughs> not a goalie. And then he blocks it, right? So it was just like, oh, man, that's such a good story. I mean, Orlando City, they're, they get my vote to win the whole thing. I want them to win. I just, <laughs> I just like them this year. I think their second place MLS is back. I think Oscar Perez has done a great job with that club, and I think that would be a great cylinder, you know, Cinderella story. I was hoping Portland, Orlando, and then Orlando wins, but no, I guess we're not going to get to see that. I'm so, yeah, I guess it's because, you know, San Jose Earthquakes have had enough run-ins with Seattle that even though Nicolas Lodero is Uruguayan, and they also have a Peruvian rivalry. Raul Diaz, you have to pick another team with a Peruvian, <laughs> which your wife is, to support. Uh, yeah, her favorite, her favorite player is Gallese, so that's that's for sure. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so Columbus Crew beat New York Red Bulls 3-2. I think New York Red Bulls, they put up more of a fight than I expected them to. Mm-hmm. They started a new manager in the playoffs, which is really weird. And very like, young hey, players. Yeah. He, hey, here's your first day of the job. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> and and wins. <laughs> or no, yeah, and loses. Columbus, and loses. I'm sorry. Yeah. Columbus yeah. Crew is another one of those sporting Kansas City type teams where they fly under the radar despite being a, an impressive team. Yeah. And I think that it, some fans are sleeping on them, but I think that they have a good, as good of a shot of winning the MLS Cup as any of the other decent teams. Mm. You know, I, I'm just thinking to myself – Man, imagine making the playoffs and getting canned. Jeez. <laughs> the, the, hot, the seat is hot at that point, right? So. They, they got to give them at least have a season. Otherwise, New York Rebels are a joke of a club. And uh, Minnesota United, they beat Colorado Rapids 3-0. So, yeah, to talk about a crazy season for San Jose Earthquakes. I don't think any team has had a more chaotic season than Colorado Rapids. Mm-hmm. But it comes to a close in – a bit of a heartbreaking defeat. Yeah, I hope uh, our boy, you know, Kevin Partita gets on the gets to some playing time and maybe takes out Sporting Kansas City for us. You know, maybe maybe <laughs> he's the goal scorer that takes out Kansas City, and it's going to be you know forty chess. You know, the Quakes yeah. saw it coming, so you know. I haven't forgotten all those losses to Minnesota United, <laughs> though. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Is the more recent loss to Sporting Kansas City worse than the last five losses to Minnesota United? We'll yes, see. that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to have Kevin Partita on the podcast again, too. So 
Um, after the MLS playoffs, he's going to, he's going to come on and explain a little bit of how his transition was, how the playoffs were for him and what's his plans are for the future. We're also having Eric Calvillo on, might as well plug us right now, Eric Calvillo on the podcast. So we're definitely have a lot of things coming up. And then as well, we're going to have Jamin Moore from black and Azul on. So that's going to be fun. We're going to have some black and Azul representation on. And then for our Christmas special, we're going to have a Quakes After 90 slash Titanic Takes uh, podcast. So it's going to be a fun time. Um, and you guys, this offseason is going to be full of, you know, Titanic Takes. So keep, keep listening. <laughs> yep. So next up, we had a, a third penalty shootout in this round. Mm. This time, it went to eight rounds. It was between Portland Timbers and FC Dallas. Jorge Villafania scored in the 82nd minute. It looked like the winner. But Ricardo Pepe from FC Dallas – Yet another player coming from that factory of young talent yeah. that stepped up for them. And FC Dallas pulls off the upset 8-7. to seven. A very interesting result. The MLS is back winner falls to one of the two absentees of that tournament. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot can say that, you know, Blanco wasn't there. A lot of people can say that Blanco wasn't there, and that was a big difference. They were that. playing fine without him for yeah. much of the season. So that's yeah. not an excuse for me. Uh, but here's a couple of surprises. So Nashville beating Toronto 1-0. And Huge. New England Revolution beating Philadelphia Union 2-0. So, Huge. like, rip up Bruh. your brackets because that's yeah. what happened with those games. Yeah. I mean, insane. insane. Nashville, this team, I mean, was Godoy even playing? I don't think he was on the 18. So this team has a bad transfer in his bag. It's a brand-new expansion team. Um, and it's, they're just, they're making their mark. They're on, they're making their mark on the scale of football. All right. <laughs> they're doing yeah. a great job. Right. It's incredible, uh, what they're able to accomplish in their first season in MLS. Um, New England revolution disrupted Philadelphia union's home winning street. Yeah. Uh, we knew you just had a feeling that this is MLS. It was going to happen at some point. Philadelphia union weren't just going to, waltz into the mls cup right and now that they're gonna have to start planning for life without brendan aronson and convincing players to come to a team that didn't win a single playoff game right how are you gonna sell that this is a legitimate team that believes that they're mls cup contenders when probably their best team they've assembled in their little over a decade of uh history in this league it goes up in flames like this. So it's yeah. just, they're going to have an interesting offseason ahead of them in Philly. So so Union down, Portland mm-hmm. down, Toronto but down. Not, but not Seattle. Not Death Seattle. Taxes and Seattle Sounders winning playoff games. Right. They beat LAFC again. LAFC's season for the second time in a row ends at the hands of Seattle Sounders. Uh, they must hate the side of green right now. Because they just can't find a way to beat Seattle when it counts. Yeah, Seattle is just uh, – they're the green machine, right? So, they're just keeping on, keeping on. So, they're, they're having a Wasn't even the battle year. of the Uruguayans because there was no Diego Rossi. I know, right? They, uh, LAFC was a bit cheated. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. What <laughs> happened at the Uruguayan camp? What happened? Why did everybody get COVID? And, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the Golden Boot winner, so – Oh, it oh. sucks what happened to Diego Rossi, but um, yeah. at the same time, if you're an MLS player and you're getting call-ups for one of the better teams in South America, 
you can't afford to say no. Right. So it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. It. Oh, big. Actually, speaking about the Golden Boot, uh, Brad Davis, uh, former Houston Dynamo player and legend, actually tweeted out during the game: If Chris Wondolowski, when retires, doesn't get the name of the Golden Boot attached to, uh, or Wondolowski Golden Boot attached, then that is just a shame. So mm-hmm. he actually floated that out there, and I thought that was a great idea. I was like, man, Brad Davis. Okay, look at you, man. Like. <laughs> you were you you you're a Wando fan, and and even Mark Anthony K, you know, said, "Hey, Wando, you're a national treasure." So there there might be a little bit of room in there for you know Wandalowski Golden Boot winner. Yeah, I would I would like that to happen. That'd be uh, a great way. Mm-hmm. Take a look at uh, the uh, predictions that the three of us, including Will, who's now with us today, uh, made from the last podcast. So, Fabi, you got. Minnesota United, mm-hmm. Seattle Sounders, Orlando City, and Columbus Crew, right? Four out of eight, 50%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, a lot of upsets. So, uh, again, I, I didn't call any really big upsets, so this is my score here. The one upset you did call didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I also only got four out of eight, right? I got Sporting Kansas City, uh, Seattle Sounders, Mine. Orlando City, and Columbus Crew, right? <laughs> the one that I did different that you got right, Bobby, was uh, I picked the Colorado Rapids to upset mm. Minnesota United. That didn't happen. Yeah. But uh, we got to give Will credit on this one. Not only did he get the most with five, he called Nashville beating Toronto, which yeah, seemed right. like a long shot, right? Yeah, and sh- shout out to Will, right? He couldn't make it today because he had family stuff to do so uh we'll have him on the podcast again but yeah will you're the winner i mean come on like you're the hands down winner what are we gonna do well we gotta do something for him (laughs) yeah so let's see the round two matchups coming up uh on sunday november 29th we have orlando city versus new england revolution and then 5 p.m pacific that day we have Columbus Crew versus Nashville. So by the end of Sunday, we'll know the Eastern Conference Finals matchup. And then yeah. on Tuesday, December 1st, 6.30 p.m., we got the Sounders against FC Dallas. I think that's probably the most interesting matchup from mm-hmm. a neutral perspective. They have two exciting uh, brands of football that are employed between the two clubs. And FC Dallas – Always play the Sounders tough, particularly in the playoffs, uh, despite their lack of playoff success. And this is a matchup that we were denied of due to their uh, banning from the MLS's back tournament. So mm. a bit of a making up for lost time yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, December 2nd at 6 p.m., we got Sporting Kansas City against Minnesota United. A very tough match Excellent. to call there. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, I think. If aside from Seattle Sounders, we don't have a lot of you know teams that have like legacies of constantly succeeding in latter stages of the MLS Cup or yeah. winning them. There's no more Portland Timbers. There's no more Toronto FC teams like nope. LAFC, LA Galaxy, Atlanta United nope. falling on the wet wayside yeah. as well. So yeah. it's time to make room for some new tales to be told yeah man who, who are you picking to win the rest of this ivan uh do you want to just do the second round matchups today or do you want to do like current like 
MLS Cup picks as well? Um, let's just do the second round matchups um, since Will's not here. Okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. Um, first one for you, Columbus Crew versus or, um, Orlando City versus New England. Who's the winner? I'm going to go with um, – well, the thing is, I think because Gallesa got uh, a yellow card, uh, the second yellow card, he's suspended for the next game, right? Yep. So I think this is the opportunity for New England to win this. I think New England Revolution beats Orlando. Okay. All right. I'll take, I'll take Orlando. I'll do Orlando on that. And then okay. the next game – becomes Columbus Crew versus Nashville. This one, this one's going to be a good game. I think, um, yeah. I think we can be shocked here. I think, I think Nashville, in my opinion, is going to take this one. What do you think, Ivan? Hmm. The Cinderella. I feel like story I'm continues. an idiot for not picking Nashville if I don't. They beat Toronto. Crew is also FC. really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, what the heck? I think just for fun, let's, let's pick Nashville, see what happens. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, I was do talking it. up the Columbus <laughs> crew as a threat to win the MLS Cup, but the, let's make this interesting. Let's so do it. We'll both pick Nashville. All right, um, all right. The next one so comes Sporting. Sounders. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sounders, Sounders versus, versus Dallas. Dallas. I'm going to be boring. Sounders win this one. Yeah, this one definitely <laughs> – Sounders. Sounders. Are we just mentally preparing for the Sounders to be in the MLS Cup again? <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Yeah, I think the East will be told like chaos and like the probably the least expected team will make it the MLS Cup. And then Sounders will be licking their chops. You know what's funny is uh, Lodato wasn't called up to the Uruguayan camp, but he's probably just like, ha, 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 I told you guys, I told you so. He's a good thing, good thing I didn't get called up. <laughs> and then... Maybe it's me speaking it into existence so we could feel better about the Quakes losing to them, but I think Sporting Kansas City beats Minnesota. Another one. And another one. <laughs> and another, and another one. one. I think another one. I think it's gonna be Minnesota. I'm gonna take Minnesota on this one. I think okay. they're gonna win. So it comes out to I have it right here. We have a lot of different picks, so we can it's it looks like a toss up besides basically um basically Sounders, right? So yeah, so we got a couple more fan questions. The L three pod, the L three podcast. Asks yeah, the L three. You mm-hmm. should check them out. Definitely, they are a great podcast. If you are a Liga Mekis or an L three Mexican national team fan, they get great interviews for their hydration break series. So yeah. anyway, they ask, will Almeida or Wando return individually? So would one stay and one go? Is the question. Um, I think that they're both going to return. I think yeah. that they're going to be having a lot of conversations together uh, apart from anything else with anyone else associated with San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah, um, Ivan, hold up, hold up. We just came into fan questions and we didn't do an intro. Come on, dude. We got a, we got a soundboard. Welcome to fan questions. Fan questions. <laughs> I, just, I just played those obnoxious horns, all right, you know. <laughs> Uh, oh but, yeah, gosh. I think that Wando worse. and Almeida both return. Uh, but I think that, you know, we have some cool or, like, some – basically, this is like looking at the Marvel alternate universes right now. What if Wando plays for another team? And that is going to hurt. But we have a later question, but I think they both come back. I think they're a package. I think if Almeida leaves, I think Wando retires, actually. So I think that they are a package if they don't come back, too. Yeah, I think that they're going to come back. But uh, it's an interesting question. Omar from Twitter asks, 
about the rumors from Mexico going to Almeida. Um, we already addressed this earlier in the podcast, so we just want to acknowledge that you sent in this question. Yeah, he's not going to Monterey, guys. I mean, Liga and Max pundits just throw anything out there. I mean, the only was, Monterey he's yeah. going to is the one with the aquarium. <laughs> for uh, for <laughs> uh, for some, you know, with the sea otters. <laughs> for some, yeah, for some quality time with his family. He's not going to Monterey to spend for cash. some Bubba Gump shrimp. Yeah, some Bubba Gump exactly. <laughs> Um, and some saltwater taffy. Shout out to Monterey, oh, okay. California. <laughs> um, Monterey with one R. Yeah, exactly. But no, you know, it's, I actually saw a little thing. I'm going to add this in a little. I saw Reddit posts um, saying that there were some Quays fans that follow his daughter on IG and that he actually speaks really good English. So um, I think it shows that he might be all for staying in the United States for um, – at least for his daughter. Um, we just lost Ivan, so we're going to wait till he comes back. But I'm just checking uh, for yeah. a fan question real quick. YouTube, we just lost Ivan, but he's actually still here. Um, we got a whole bunch of more questions to come on. Um, we got a whole bunch of sound bites to still do. So, I mean, we're ready. We're ready. So, let's get this one going. Some Pokemon battle. <laughs> but, um, basically. All right. Or Ivan's back. Any thoughts? All right. So this is another question from Omar. Any thoughts on who the Quakes should sign this winter? What positions should we should be addressed first? And what is our realistic budget? Uh, I first off, I love doing this. I think this is fun. <laughs> I looked up transfer mark. I found <laughs> yeah, I transfers on transfer mark. There's names like you know Marcelino, Mario Mansucic. Uh, we have, you, yeah, you know, Balotelli out there. We have Nicholas. Johannes Eggestein is a good one. Yeah, Johannes Eggestein, uh, Nicholas Blandy. I mean, Danny Parejo, Aaron Martin. Like, yeah, there's a couple good players. of interesting players. That a little on the older side, but they're good. Um, Aaron Martin uh, and Johannes Eggestein, they're 23 and 22 respectively. So they're not all old. Of course, uh, Mario Mandzukic. He is 34. Marcelino is 36. But, uh, yeah, it is definitely interesting. It gives you perspective of, wow, like these guys are still like available for pretty cheap pro- so, uh, so contracts. That's pretty my cool. whole thing is why don't we just go like, <laughs> you know, Jesse Ferrandelli's with this printout and be like, hey, like, did you contact mm-hmm. these guys? Like, <laughs> did, did you at least know that there's interest in them? Just go all pace with Quadwo Asamoah and Amin Musa. Yeah, so I just I don't know. I think I think this is a fun thing to think about, and I I don't know like how much do you think it would in effort wise to get these guys here because these are qual- some of these guys are quality players and man I, Your I think pick was Matias Vargas from Espanol. Yeah, so that was basically I this other list here is actually guys on expiring deals as well. And these guys on expiring deals, or if these guys are on basically a decreasing transfer mark value. Um, the reason why I chose that we can bring in a guy like Matias uh, Vargas is he played for Argentina's national team, his the senior team. Uh, he was actually purchased for $11 million from Espanol. He's an Argentinian player. He plays wing and central attacking mid, but his value tanked because Espanol is now in the second division. So this could be 
a moment that maybe he wants to play for Matias Almeida or maybe he want they want to sell him because they can't afford him anymore. But that was my my pick. That's a realistic target that we can actually maybe get, maybe pay who knows three or four million dollars to get in a guy of this quality that's on a Argentina's senior team. So this would be like our Nicholas Adelo, basically. Yeah. So um our realistic budget that would probably be, that, right? That would three be or four a realistic transfer, I think. And it's a bit more creative than just like, oh, who's a former Chivas player, you know? Yeah. So uh, I do like that, and I do appreciate all the thought and the research you put into that. Put, um, put your uh, fo- uh, football manager cap on, right? I mean, let's go. Let's let her FIFA FIFA cap. Think think of guys that we can bring in, right? Maybe maybe uh, email Jesse Fiorinelli directly. Maybe he's like, oh yeah, we got. See, I wish I wish we were a little more transparent. Like, hey, like, can you show us what guys you're going for? I mean, like, can you at least give us a little bit? Not just say we're gonna sign two guys and then not sign anybody. Like, what's up with that? Like, we never we never got on him for that. <laughs> um. So, Quick Arazi asked, given the evidence that when Wando plays, the Quicks win more often. Will Wando play more in 2021 as the Quakes seek to return to the playoffs? And I think that's a pretty good point. Uh, I think Wondolowski is a guy that is going to be keeping in shape in the offseason, and he really wants to play badly. Yeah. And he's, when you're playing that well, whether you're 18 or 38, you deserve to start. My and man. I think Wondolowski will be a starter for yeah. much of the – Quake's season barring uh, an unforeseen or an unfortunate circumstance. Yeah, definitely. I think Wando plays. I think he he actually plays a super sub role that he was supposed to play this year. Um, and I think he's still efficient off the bench. Guys are tired. He still scores about six or seven goals. I, I would say that. Matt3Leo from Twitter asks, worst case scenario, Wando plays for another year before another team. Which legit contender do you put him on? This was good. decision for me. I put him on Toronto FC. Oh, wow. Because I'm already desensitized to Quakes going to that team with Justin Morrow and Steven Basher. And he's, the- that's an Eastern <laughs> Conference team, so Quakes don't have to play them often, if at all. And I think that Toronto FC, they had a bit of a blip this season against Nashville, but they know how to get to MLS Cups. Yeah, and I think, I think um, that he mm-hmm. would be a good fit there, and he would get a lot of service from Alejandro Pozuelo <laughs> and alongside um, Ayoa Canola. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's not going to Toronto. If he goes somewhere, he's going to LAFC. I think he would have even better service there. It's not where he would go. It's where yeah. do you want him to go? Though? Oh, where do you want him to go? Oh, okay, okay, okay. I think, uh, I think if I was LAFC, I'd be knocking on his front door. Imagine Vela, Rossi, Bradley Wright Phillips, all these guys helping Brian Wando. Rodriguez. Yeah, Ra- Brian Rodriguez. Yeah, exactly. These Atuesta, these guys giving Wando opportunities to score goals. I think, or the Seattle Sounders would be another another great fit for him we're gonna lose like 9-0 if he's on the right. at least he would stat pad that uh goal record so i mean I, I mean i would think he would go to lafc so he blocks bradley Wright phillips to get on the field that'd be cool <laughs> man wandalowski on the sounders it, it would have me like that one girl from the movie mean girls one time regina george punched me in the face <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> exactly that's exactly what it would be like so Gold rank for Discord uh, asked if 
is Almeida staying for this season? And would there be a chance that he leaves before his contract expires in 2022? I think that it all depends on if the progression increases from season to season. I think Almeida is a smart guy. If the the club stagnates or goes backwards and it's not his own doing that's contributing to that, he's not going to fight a losing battle. Uh, he, he deserves better than that, and he knows that he has options elsewhere across Latin America that would give him definitely more funds and more support if Sanjay Quickstone starts shaping up. Yeah, and then our last, I agree with that completely. I think that if we start to, you know, go into the season we had this year, maybe he jumps ship. Um, after we get those, but it's hard. I mean, if, if the money gets invested, I don't think he's jumping ship. I think, I think he stays until the end of his tenure and maybe he stays even longer. I think, I think, I think the earthquakes offer a very attractive setting for a person that is growing a family. I think living in the Bay area plays a big factor in Almeida's decisions. I think his family stays here. I think living in the United States is, is a great thing. And mm-hmm. especially if you have kids, I think it gives your kids the best opportunity to succeed. Right. And then our next so, question is quake quake question. Yeah. Our final question. Thanks for all your question, guys. We appreciate it. Um, quake quakes takes from Twitter asks, will we see more Fierro starting in the middle and Cal subbing in on the left in the future? Ivan, what do you think? So I guess he, or quakes takes, uh, felt that Carlos Fierro, even though on the formation that I was looking up, it looked like he was playing as a striker alongside Wondolowski. Maybe Fierro was playing more of a cam. But either way, it's an interesting position, I think. I feel like before this game, Fierro and Cal were primarily winger options, right? Mm -hmm. So for Cal, that didn't really change much. But for Fierro, it did change rather significantly. I think Fierro was effective in this role. He had a goal and I believe an assist. So then, yeah, why not give that uh, combination of players where you put them more chances to yeah. play and see if it's a viable strategy. Maybe it just happened to work this one game and then you can revert to your normal shape. Right. And this was this did a good job, kind of um, shocking them a bit. I mean, they didn't under, they didn't really they haven't seen that before from the Quakes, so it was nice to see Almeida switch it up a bit. I think we'll see Fierro starting in the middle more if we don't get anybody to sign in the middle. Um, so, I, but I, we're gonna get transfers. I mean, there's no way Jesse Fiorinelli and the front office do not make any transfer this year for attacking mid or defender. So, I mean, I think Fierro is gonna go back to the left. Uh, I hope you don't mind me changing the subject just briefly, but yeah. today was a pretty good result. Uh, U.S. Women's National Team beat yeah. the Netherlands 2-0 in a Woo. rematch of the 2019 Women's World Cup final. So congratulations to USA. Definitely. Uh, Rose Lavelle scored the winning goal. Technically, it was the go-ahead goal, and it was a banger. Yeah. And I mentioned on the Soccer Crush podcast that Rose Lavelle is one Excellent. of my favorite if not my favorite U.S. women's national team players right now. And mm. my, the co-hosts uh, of the Soccer Crush podcast, they agree that Rose Lavelle is amazing. So we were all celebrating that goal on Twitter. And it was definitely fun to see. I think 
you're talking about players that are uh, or teams that are fun to see with, with some of the veteran players sticking around, some yeah. new players coming in. U.S. Women's National Team, they have a seemingly endless conveyor belt of young women that are coming through and they're showing what a soccer country is capable of. And I don't think it's impossible for the men to have some kind of success like that in the future. Uh, time will tell, but for now, the women deserve the praise for getting that win. Yeah, yeah. So in closing, guys, we want to go ahead and say thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at Roughneck Scarves. And thank you to the beautiful game network. I know we didn't really explain a little bit in the beginning, but thank you for sponsoring us. We appreciate your time and to be on your platform. Ivan, are you? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter <laughs> templates from Nike and Adidas? Yes, I am. Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth uh-huh. club, Sunday League squad, yep. adult, uh, pro team, or your penalty shootout? Interest <laughs> FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Or, if you want to save three penalties like Tim Melia or zero like JT Marcinkowski, <laughs> create your own goalkeeper kit and yep. look boss doing it, whichever role you're in. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, guys, I appreciate you sticking along for the ride. Again, like I said, we're going to have a jam-packed schedule coming up. Um, it's going to be maybe two of us, sometimes three of us in these podcasts because all of our schedules are a little different now. But we especially love everything you guys do for us, all the things you do, all the, all the feedback we get. Um, we appreciate you guys giving us all the love on Twitter. Again, thanks, guys. We love you guys. And go yep, Quakes. Thank you so much. Go Quakes. Go Quakes. Go Quakes.